Thank you. Thank you. Whoop, whoop. Ow! Look at that lady. I'm going to start a marriage seminar today. You guys can go. <laughs> Just kidding. Uh, we, actually, we actually finished up, uh, I spoke in uh, Tarpon Springs, Florida, a friend of mine's church that I coach with, and uh, at the end of the four services, so two on Saturday night and two on Sunday morning. That's where we're going, by the way. Amen. Amen. So, um, you know, it, it, well, I'll get to that in a minute. But at the end of the fourth service, we, uh, we had our first kind of break together, and we went and just ate by ourselves. We walked into a Panera Bread, and it wasn't even five minutes, and we just said, man, we love our church. We love our church, you know, and we just have great, just great worship, great people, and you guys just need to know that. Sometimes, you, in all seriousness, sometimes you might need to go away and just realize what you have. I think we take it for granted. I was thinking about what Vanessa was saying, you know, sometimes we don't realize the words we're speaking. Sometimes we don't realize what we have until it's gone, until, until you know, you're back up against the wall or whatever. So you, you're really blessed. Turn your neighbor and say, you're, I'm blessed. Are you blessed? <laughs> also, want to quickly uh, do a couple little things. I want to acknowledge my... Uh, you know, the, the, the founder, but also, also kind of the, the father of the Fry family here. You guys, many of you guys, some of you guys don't even know this guy, all right? But my pops just turned 70 years old today. 70. Come on, pops, stand up real quick. Wave at him. Wave at him. Look at him. He looks like Jack LaLanne, you know what I'm saying? I mean, the guy's like, he just doesn't have the eyebrows or whatever. That No, that's Jay Kordach. Never mind. Some of you don't know what I'm talking about. But anyway, I'm just so proud of my father. He's a great example, and, uh, you know, he's, he just stays spiritually fit, and it's just good to have a father like that. And you guys, you guys benefit from that because this is a generational blessing. You're seeing, you're, seeing, you're seeing three generations serve the Lord right in front of your eyes. That's another blessing of being a part of Connect Community Church. You have a converted atheist who gave his heart to Christ on Easter Sunday 34 years ago. Excuse me, 43 or 44 years ago, something like that. And, um, and then you got a son falls in his footsteps, and you got a son and kids falling in the footsteps. You know, that's, is that something or what? I mean, talk about legacy. That doesn't happen every day. And so glory to God, not to us. Glory to God on that. So that's awesome. I uh, also want to uh, just give it up for our dream team. Vanessa was talking about dream team, and I don't usually, um, you know, spend a little extra time on this. But I just, if, if you guys... If you want your passion to increase, you have to point it somewhere. I'm going to be talking about pointing your passion. And one of the ways you can do that is figuring out what am I supposed to do? Is it to suck air, take up space, abuse God's grace? Is it more, is more to that? Is it just, you know, li- you know, find shelter, you know, live off somebody else, you know, live indoors, you know? Or is, is there more to it than that? So if you're not serving in some capacity, I'm saying this not because I need your help or we need your help. We're doing fine. We have a, for church our size, we have a big dream team, all right? But what we could do, and I think what God wants to do through our church and community is far bigger than what we're doing right now. And it's really dependent upon people saying yes to God. In spite of what's required, I just say yes to God. I want to figure out some way to give back because of how much God gave me. And one of the ways you're reminded about how much God gave you is by giving back. So if you, it's just, it's the same thing we say about money. If you put your treasure there, your heart will follow. If you invest your time there, your heart will follow. If you invest your talent there, your heart will follow. So if you want to stay on fire for Jesus, fired up for the Lord, you need to give back. You need to serve and and say, what do I do? Well, I don't know. You know, when you see a need, meet it. If you see something needs to be done, do it. 
you know, but we'll help you figure out the best thing for you to do. You say, well, I don't know. So sometimes I think, like Vanessa said, you're looking up here and saying, they got it all covered. This place is humming. Wow, woo. Raise the roof. There are hundreds of opportunities to serve through this church, this church. And some of it is unseen. And the things that are unseen, honestly, scripturally, are even more important. Are even more important. Is that firing anybody up out there? So if you feel like something was happening on the inside of you, then you need to see our dream team director. You need to call our office. You know, you need to shag a leader down and just say, how do I, what do I do? What's the next step for me? It's real easy. There's like three quick steps, you know, in, in a month, you could just be on a team. Your life will be, never be the same. And so I just want to encourage you guys to, to, uh, to do that. And if you haven't, uh, you, you should, you should. Amen. All right. Well, we're, um, we're heading towards, uh, we're heading towards the high holiday Easter. We're starting a new series today. And um, by the way, we're, this is going to, this is unqualified, it's going to sound somewhat braggadocious, but this is just a fact. We're going to have about a thousand people or more on Easter. And so you, you, you um, might want to prepare for that a little bit. And so pretty soon, I think next week we'll start offering tickets for the services, okay? You don't have to pay for them. We just need to know what service you're coming to and how many guests that you're bringing because everybody, uh, we typically have the highest guest population on Easter. So, um, I just want to make sure that you guys start gearing up for that. Figure out we have an 8:30, a 10, and an 11:30, and um, three services, and they'll probably be most of them, two of them, if not all of them, will be full, and it just it's just going to happen. Just we have the you know, the trends for that, and we're we're preparing. We have our dream our dream team directors have met already, you know, a couple weeks back, preparing a service fit for a king. So we're going to take Easter up a whole nother notch this year. We had an incredible meeting preparing for it. If you'd like to serve or get involved, again, Easter, we need all hands on deck. We're actually, actually asking all of our, our dream team to be there, all three services, because we're, we're here to serve the community. We, this, this is not a me church. This is a we church. We're, we're here for people who aren't here yet. We're here to move people from the street to the sea. Can I have an amen or an oh me out there? All right, I'm going to get preaching on this, but anyway. So we're in a series uh, as we start that is um, it's kind of related to what they call Passion Week. Passion Week. Anybody heard of that before, Passion Week? So you can get your worship guides out, your Bibles out, your version app, whatever you want to do to kind of track with us. Uh, we're going to be uh, camping in uh, John chapter 14 and also uh, John chapter 2, a particular story in John chapter 2 primarily. But we're going to focus on the final week of Jesus' life in the next few weeks and then Easter, we'll have something special, kind of a one-hit wonder there, an incredible service that you guys will be excited about. But if you knew you only had one week to live, if you were on a mission, you had one week left, I submit to you that your focus would increase, that you would be thinking about the things that are the most important. And so we're looking at the final week of Jesus' life, and his focus goes up a whole nother notch, and he brings to us in this final week a few messages that are very, very significant to our life. In fact, in the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, my father used to say, hold the horse till I get on, just so we can remember that. In Matthew, Mark, Luke, about one-third of the content in the Gospels is dedicated to the Passion Week, to the final week of Jesus' life. In the Gospel of John, which some say if you only had one book of the Bible, the Gospel of John would be the best one. Some say Romans, some say something else, Leviticus, but they don't know what they're talking about. Uh, <laughs> 
But in the Gospel of John, about half of the content in the Gospel of John is dedicated to the Passion Week. The point is, there's some stuff in there that's really critical, uh, mission critical to our lives, and Jesus emphasized that. And, and as onlookers, uh, we can see clearly that Jesus was on a mission, especially because, you know, hindsight's twenty twenty. The guys that were with him, running in the pack with him, his posse of disciples, they didn't see it. They didn't get it. They didn't get it till after the fact. But we're able to look back because the scriptures are there as an example to show us things and to kind of lead us. And in John chapter 14, I think this is in your worship guides, verse 31, it says this. This is pretty cool uh, uh, scripture to kind of map out what Jesus was up to. He says, uh, but so the world might know thoroughly, I love the Father. So he, the first thing he wants the world to know is I love, I love my dad. I'm carrying out my father's instructions right down to the last detail. This reveals that he was on a mission, and he had a very specific assignment and a specific agenda, and the secret plan from heaven was being revealed uh, only to a very few initially, and again, these guys didn't get it, but this particular series as we go forward, it's going to kind of stir your heart, Passion Week. It's going to make you passionate about the things of God. But the message today will be, uh, it'll be kind of about fire. It'll be about passion. It'll be about specifically the temple. And then uh, next week, we'll talk about the Passover supper. I like to call it the progressive dinner or supper time. Uh, Then we're going to talk about the Holy Spirit, uh, sometimes misunderstood, overlooked, uh, freaked out about. But we want to talk about the person of the Holy Spirit, the work of the Holy Spirit, the acts of the Holy Spirit, the manifestations of the Holy Spirit. And then in the final uh, part of this series, we'll talk about the cross the importance of the cross and what it means to us in the here and now. Um, But as I talk about things today, I just want to intro by saying, I'm a passionate person. You're a passionate person actually too. You say, well, no, I'm not. Yeah, we're all passionate. But sometimes our passion is misdirected. I, I, if, we were to, if we were to tailgate you, if we were to trail behind you with, with the video camera, what would we see? We would see where your passions go. We can see by just kind of trailing behind you. But I think sometimes our passions are in the wrong place. It can be food. My wife was uh, Instagramming. Uh, uh, we, we were at Cracker Barrel down south. And I don't remember exactly what it said, baby. Remember what it said? Something on there like? Carabas. Oh, yes, Carabas. I us. Yeah, something about the love of food. But anyway, she took a picture of it, and she's, you know, she was thinking of me when she, initially, but then she sent it to Roy and Deej because they love food so much. And she's like, you know, two other men who really love food as much as my husband does. But there, there's, some of us have that passion about food. We start talking. Have you ever heard Deej talk about food? You've heard me talk about this. It's like, it's like he just got saved. He's evangelistic about food. He can lead somebody to food. Some people lead people to Christ. He leads people to food. He's good at it. He's really, really good at it. So some people are like that. Some people are passionate about competition, you know, and, and rivalries. And some people are passionate about movies and, and things like that. And, 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 and how many of you are passionate about sports? Anybody passionate about sports? Oh, my gosh. Didn't we say we love this shirt? No. <laughs> I mean, NCAA tournament coming up, you know, not too distant future. You know what I'm saying? I mean, come on. You know, baseball season's getting going. You know, there's spring training going on. I mean, I got pastors calling me all over the country, like all upset about this kind of stuff. But some people get, not so much here, but some people get, they shout louder about that than they do and get more excited and more impassioned about that than they do the things of God. But, but Jesus' final message, one of them, was a brief trip to church like this. Imagine 
you know, this happening in church today. And, and, and prior to this visit to church, he had burst onto the scene, you know, and, and he did this crazy miracle at a wedding, and everybody liked Jesus after that because he turned water to wine. And like, this guy is a cool cat, man. He turns water to wine. That was a very non-religious thing to do, and, and a whole bunch of stuff after that. And then, and then kind of as he's winding up towards his Passion Week, he, he's, uh, he comes into Jerusalem, you know, and, and kind of the, the city of peace, so to speak, and he's got all these groupies now, and, you know, the Galilee Gazette's writing about him all the time, and people are selling T-shirts, Jesus, Jesus, and he's coming in on a donkey, and they're shouting, they're going crazy, and it's like a rock concert, and he's a rock star, and, and Palm Sunday, and... And he, and he knew not to put too much stock, you know, as the scripture records, into all this hoopla about him. Because at that time, the whole nation's listening to him. And he's got their ear. And it was in that place, in that scene, and in those moments that he, he kind of he goes where I want to go today. He, ta- he does something kind of radical. His first key message in this Passion Week was to show us... Uh, uh, the fire, or his fire for God, his fire for the, his father, his passion for his father. Why? Because he knew that we are, we're going to struggle. You and I and our church and the church at large is going to struggle to stay on fire for God. That's why in Passion Week, the final week, the most important messages that he would bring, one of them is that he wanted to make sure we would stay on fire, that we would stay passionate toward and in love with our God. And Jesus finds these people going to church in the temple courts, and they're all sidetracked. And I won't get into all the different things, but there's a lot going on in here. But in John chapter 2, it's in your notes, verse 14 through 17, it says, he, In the temple courts, he found men selling cattle, sheep, doves, others sitting at tables exchanging money. And so he made a whip out of cords. Okay, this is the rock star. Goes ballistic. He makes a whip out of cords and drove them all from the temple area, both sheep and cattle. He scattered the coins of money changers and overturned their tables. And to those who sold the doves, he said, get these out of here. How dare you turn my father's house into a market? Now, his disciples remembered, you know, a prophecy that was spoken of in the book of Psalms many times over, but it was, it was said that, that, that he would have a zeal of God and that it consumed, it consumed him. And zeal for his house consumed him. And I would just say as we kind of get going, what, rhetorically, what have you, what are you consumed by? What have you set your affections on here today, right now, in the phase of life that you're in? Do they need to return to God? Are they off track? Because this month is going to be all about coming back to the most important things and maybe getting connected to God for the first time in some cases because misdirected passion is often my problem. And I bet it for many of us it's our problem too. Passion is kind of the operative word here. And, and the Bible talks about this and it uses a word that's kind of similar to it and it's called zeal. Everybody say zeal. So passion in Webster's Dictionary, it means this. It means white, hot, boiling over, or it could mean an ardent pursuit or passion for something. Uh, you know, a simple definition is it's defined by how you spend your time, what you do with your, your, your resources, what you do with your, what you talk about, what you're preoccupied with. And again, your passions can be good. Often it's the good, not the bad, that keeps us from the most important, though. But sometimes we need to check our passion levels. And again, as we approach Easter and we think about the most important things, uh, is, is God on our mind in all of this? 
I might talk a little bit tonight about what misdirects our passions, but where should we point our passions? I want to give you a few things on where we should point our passions because I want you to know that I struggle with these areas too. And, and, and it's good to be reminded of these from time to time. And, but, uh, you know, I, I'm human just like you are. But I think one of the things that we struggle with is, is number one, is have a, we have a, do we have a passion for worship? Worship. Just put that in your, in your notes. Or if you're not taking notes, go ahead and take notes. <laughs> but I'm not talking about praise and worship, what just happened up here, which that is worship and that is important. But, but I'm talking about just kind of, a, I'm referring to your affection. I'm referring to your zeal for the things of God. Where, where is that? Where is that love for God right now? When the Bible talks about worship, the Greek word for the word worship is the word uh, proskuneo. Proskuneo. And what it really means is it means to kiss. And when you try to understand the word, sometimes you have to look a little bit deeper, but the Hebrew will have definitions for word, but a lot of times we'll have word pictures to describe it. And the word picture for proskuneo, it's like a master who comes home after a long day. It's like me coming home after a full day's work. And this happens every single day of my life. I come home and the first person to greet me is Hunter, my dog. (laughs) That's the picture in the Hebrew. It's of a dog, and he, is, he sees you even as you're approaching and coming to the cul-de-sac, and you do your turn, and you go down the driveway. He's barking. He's excited. His tail is wagging. He's salivating all over the rug. He cannot wait to get in there, and he comes in, and I usually come in with bags, and i got all kinds of stuff, and I have to look at it and just say, just hang on a second. Daddy's going to greet you in just a second. got to put stuff down, and he's chasing me, and he's running all around me and going in between my legs, and sometimes I step on him, and he cries. And, but finally, what the, with the word picture there, and I don't let him, I don't let him go here, but the word picture is he, the, the master lets him kind of lick him and kiss him. That, that's the picture, proskuneo, that's what it works, that anticipation, that excitement, that I can't wait to be with him, that, you know, that expectation that's there. In John chapter 4, verse 23, it says, yet a time is coming and now is when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth, for they're the kind of worshipers that dad seeks. He's looking for people who are anticipating him like that, longing to be with him, can't wait to, you know, embrace him and, and be in his presence. And, you know, we know about a famous worshiper, and his name, his name was David. He was a murderer, and he was an adulterer, but he was known as a, a man after God's own heart. Why? Because he was a worshiper. He was a worshiper. In 2 Samuel, it says, when those, this is an interesting story that I'll try to give real quick, but when those who were carrying the ark of the Lord had taken six steps, he sacrificed a bull and a fattened calf. You say, what the heck does that have to do with anything, Pastor D? Well, at this particular time, historically, um, the Israelites had just kind of recaptured the ark of the covenant. Back then, like, God was in a box. And, and, And I don't mean to be um, sacrilegious or minimize God, but he, let me put it this way. He was God on location, okay? So we have the manifest presence of God. We're the temple of God, but, but back then, he, you, you kind of carried him with you, and if you had him with you, you had the favor of God with you. Now we have him in us, indwelling us, and, and, and in him we live and move, but the Bible says, and have, and have our being, okay? But, but that, back then, that's how it was. It was an imperfect. It, was, it, was, it wasn't the best way. The New Testament's got a better way, but that's how it was back then, and, and so they were bringing the, the Ark of the Covenant back to Jerusalem, and and he, David, really understood the importance of worship. And in, fa- in fact, in spite of his character defects and human frailties and all that kind of stuff, uh, he, he did some, he, he was very extravagant in his worship towards God. And I did some research on what they, what they did here, but every six steps, 
as they are coming back with the ark to go back to Jerusalem, they would stop every six steps for, for I think it was eight miles, they stopped and would offer sacrifices in worship. So they would bring like, offerings to God, and then they'd dance, and they'd sing like four songs like we just did this morning, and they worship. They'd take six more steps, do it again. They did that for eight miles. Is everybody tracking with me? As they went back to How many say that's some worship? Turn to your neighbor and say, that is worship. Turn to your, your second choice and say, I don't know anything about worship, basically. I don't know anything. I know nothing. Okay? And so they did this. 14,000 steps, and if you divided that by six steps, then there were 2,300 sacrifices of dead animals and blood and all that kind of stuff. That's what they did back then. And when they got there, they, when they finally got to Jerusalem, they really cut up. Like they, pardon the pun, but they, that's funny. I don't care what you say. That was pretty funny. They really cut up, and they start, it goes to HNL. They go to a whole nother level, and they're dancing. They're going crazy, and David's wife gets all upset about it, and she looks down at him like, what are you doing? And, and you know, and, and he, he's kind of like all sweaty, and his shirt's come, probably popped off or something like that, and, and she's all upset, and he's like, it doesn't matter, you know? I'll become even more undignified. That's how much I love God, and I'm so, my heart and my affection is, is so much on him. And, and he believed that people would be attracted to that passion. Contrary to what Micah was trying to say, because she was real religious, mm, I'm not sure I agree with that. I mean, she was probably, she had a very religious, rule-keeping, you know, tone and attitude. But the truth is, everybody was attracted to that, to that God encounter that was taking place there in Jerusalem. Are you tracking with me? I think people are attracted to the genuine. Like, you know, when Vanessa was going, like, I, I, I get all fired up. You know what I'm saying? Does anybody know what I'm talking about out there? I mean, she started talking. I'm like, whoo, you know, I feel like saying something like, yellow, you know, mm, you know, some groanings and stuff want to come out of me. You know what I mean? It just something wants to happen inside of you. That, that, that's what happens when you, when it's genuine and when, and when it's, and there's passion behind it instead of just kind of a show and, and just kind of a demonstration. This isn't a show. This isn't a show. We're setting our affection on God. That's just what happens. People are attracted to it, or should be. It should be not exhibitionistic, meaning we're calling attention to ourselves. It should be something that calls attention. Like when you're on fire, people want to get on fire. You know, it should call attention to God. And so the Bible says he's a rewarder of those who diligently seek him, and we should be people who are diligently seeking him. But, but sometimes our passion gets distracted. Now, today, as I stand here before you, I would say, uh, by virtue of experience, I'm, I'm a musician, I'm a singer. But there was a time when I wasn't. I was very, I, I had all this potential, suppressed, compressed, I don't know, depressed, all down in there. And, and it wasn't until my sister asked me to sing in her wedding. I don't know, 20 something years ago. And, um, and, and, I find, and I said yes, and I said yes. And that was kind of like the launch pad for for, for, for something birthed in me. And, and it, it led to a whole bunch of stuff. Basically, at some point, my father asked me to, you know, start, you know, leading in praise and worship. One day I wasn't, the next day I was. Uh, I knew three chords, L, K, and Z on the guitar. And that's funny to musicians. But uh, I, I didn't know anything about it. But it is so much a part of who I am today. It's changed me, you know? But I used to be afraid to sing. My parents would try to get me to sing, and they try to get somebody to teach me how to sing. And this, girl, this woman, Charlotte Martinez, you know, sing louder. I'm like, uh, I, just, I was just all down in there. God, is, God, is, God wants us to be passionate about him. 
you know, and worship him. And, and I'm still a little, you know, embarrassed to, to admit what I'm going to tell you right now, but th- there was a time back then where I was, even though I had that problem going on, I was inspired by people who would just let it all out, you know, just sing. I remember, I remember watching a particular musical. It was called Grease Lightning. You know what I'm saying? Does anybody remember that? Go Grease Lightning, burning down. I mean, I don't know. Something about that. I like, you know, the collar up, you know, the white T-shirt, you know, penny loafers. Okay, I something about that I like. But another one I like that I'm a little more embarrassed to admit was called Fiddler on the Roof. Fiddler on the Roof. You know, tradition, tradition. You know, and he's going around and the old guy's singing. I don't know if anybody's ever seen this, but it was a really cool uh, musical. And it's about a Jewish family and this, and this special tradition they had, in particular one that was related to marriage. And this was kind of referencing a time in a culture where the dad was kind of the matchmaker. And he would select your you know, your spouse for you, which is what I'm going to do for my three daughters. They just don't know it yet. <laughs> and so, in essence, in essence, that will happen. But anyway, uh, but the movie is about a, this, this, this dad and the struggle that he has as a lead character with his girls to find a husband. And, and there's this whole matchmaker, matchmaker, make me a match. And this whole song, and if you haven't heard it, it's good. I like it. But uh, the problem is the girl starts to fall in love with somebody that the dad didn't pick for her. And there's this tension. And all this kind of stuff goes on. And in the process of this tension with him and his daughter, it makes him start thinking about some things in his own marriage. 25 years in this predetermined relationship with this spouse. And, and this movie is, is, is about this struggle between the girls falling in love and maintaining tradition. But it was so much more than that. I want you to see just a little clip from that. If you could just show that. Love. Golden, do you love me? Do I what? Do you love me? <laughs> do I love you? Well? With our daughters getting married and this trouble in the town, you're upset, you're worn out, go inside, go lie down. Maybe it's indigestion. Uh, no, Golden, I'm asking you a question. Do you love me? You're a fool. I know. But do you love me? Do I love you? Well. For 25 years I've washed your clothes, cooked your meals, cleaned your house, given you children, milked your cow. After 25 years, why talk about love right now? Golden, the first time I met you was on our wedding day. I was scared. I was shy. I was nervous. So was I. But my father and my mother said we'd learn to love each other. And now I'm asking, Golden, do you love me? I'm your wife. I know. (laughs) But do you love me? Do I love him? Well? For 25 years I've lived with him, fought with him, starved with him. 25 years my bed is his. If that's not love, what is? Then you love me. I suppose I do. Then I suppose I love you too. Isn't that good? It doesn't change a thing, but even so, after 25 years, 
needs to know that, I mean, my spouse needs to know that, you know, then how much more God needs to know that? You know, I, th- I think that there's this, you know, you see this guy and he's saying, I know what you do for me, but do you love me? And I don't know about you, but I have this tendency to, it's easier to do something for somebody. I'm a doer. Many of you probably relate to what I'm saying. You, you, you just, you know, you let me show me. But, but sometimes it's demonstrated or it can be modeled in a different way. And I want to encourage you that like, as, we, as we maybe recalibrate and as we direct our, our passion towards Easter, don't let your love for God be replaced or exchanged for works for God. I, I opened up by saying it's important to serve, and, I, and I'm telling you, it is important to serve. But your affection. Your heart, out of the affection of your heart, you should want to serve. That should, it should be a byproduct of that. I do these things because of my love for God. And, and, and sometimes I do these things and it keeps my love for God on track. They work kind of hand in glove. But I like action and God appreciates that. But we can see from, you know, these particular scriptures, this story, people like Mary and Martha, you've heard about that, that he's interested in our affection. And I'm telling you today that the Spirit of God speaks to you and speaks to me, do you love me? Do you love me? Check your passion level. Check your passion level for worship for God today. Number two, have a passion for prayer. This is an area that I've struggled with to practice over kind of many years and probably not a great confession for a pastor, but I I like to get down to the bottom line. I like God to just, you know, sometimes I like to tell him how I think he should do it when I'm praying. Sometimes, you know, I, I, I just, I just want, I just want, just fix it. You know, I don't really want to talk about it a lot or repeat things a lot or different things like that. And, 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 but the truth is, for things to happen, change in the natural, there's something that has to happen in the supernatural. And that is accomplished by prayer. Even though prayer, in many respects, has been tough for me. In fact, sometimes that's why as a church, we have seasons of fasting and prayer. You might think it's because it's, it's just so strategic. No, it's because I need, to, I need to fire it up in my own life as your leader. You know, and, and we're coming into another season of, of, of fasting and prayer a little bit before Easter, and we do it in the fall, and we do it in the new year. It's just, I've come to learn that more is accomplished in prayer than any other way we can imagine, but sometimes we need just a shot in our arm, and that public commitment can help and, 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 and do that. But regardless of your experience, regardless of the, of the patterns that we have to do it, God answers fervent and passionate prayers. James tells us that the effectual fervent, or you could say zealous or passionate prayer of righteous people avail much. When you're, in other words, when your passions return to prayer, it produces a lot. Elijah was a man just like us. You know, he had similar passions just like us. And the Bible says he prayed earnestly. My dad's favorite word. He prayed earnestly that it would not rain. And it did not rain on the land for three and a half years. Prayer is sometimes tough for people, but it gets results. Can I have an amen out there? I used to be timid about prayer, you know. And uh, I can remember coming to, you know, we have pre-service prayer every single Sunday. And we sometimes we'll gather in a group. And I can remember those circle prayers, you know. And I'm so scared, you know. And I can remember what we would do, the, the, the timid practices that we'd have. We'd have unspoken. You know, anybody have a prayer request? Unspoken. Anybody want to just offer something to God to get some prayer so he can change the circumstances and heal you and fix that and do that? Unspoken. What is that? 
Like, we need to present our request to God. You know what I mean? We need to come before him and, 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 and offer that to God with, you know, with confidence and with expectation, you know? And then we, we pray in the circle, and everybody kind of go around, and we'd all be holding hands, and this guy would pray. And I'd be getting scared because there's, pray, you know, it's like Charlie Erickson's about. He's praying in King James, and I'm like, whoa, you know, I can't pray like that. He'd squeeze my hand, and I'd just squeeze it right on around, you know, just keep it on going. I can't pray like that. You know, but praise the Lord. I, I, I've gotten better at being able to pray, but you got to fire up your prayer life. And there are a lot of things competing for your passions. And I just don't want Jesus coming through the church with a whip. I'd rather straighten myself up. I'd rather straighten up and fly right on my own. Amen. All right. Number three, have a passion for purity. This is a big point I want to make. A passion for purity. One of the things that keeps that we can do to point our passions toward God is not only worship and set our affections, it's not only pray, which I could do a whole message on prayer, but it's about purity. And, and I believe the devil works harder to get us to become impure than we work at becoming pure. I think impurity is a passion towards oneself and purity is a passion towards God. That's kind of like, uh, I love how it hurts and ouchie, but it's still a good point. Impurity is passion towards ourself. Purity is passion towards God. The scripture says in Hebrews, it says, without holiness, no one sees the Lord. Without purity. It's not rule keeping and religious. No, it's, it's I want to make sure that I'm, you know, we used to sing a song, you know, created me a clean heart. I was singing it last night in prayer. Created me a clean heart, O God. Renew a right spirit in me. Cast me not away from your presence, O God. Renew a right spirit within me. Remember that? Does anybody remember that song? You know, that's taken from Psalm 51, where when David sinned against Bathsheba. Why is purity important? Because we need, because purity and what we really need is power. People need to know that when we pray, that God hears it and that he answers and that there's a response. A lot of times we get discouraged in our conversation, which really ends up being confusing for us and it feels like a monologue because it feels like we're just talking out God and not getting a response or hearing a response. Well, we've been desensitized to see how he responds because sometimes he answers our prayers by changing the circumstances, which is our favorite. Sometimes he answers our prayers by changing us, which is his favorite. Sometimes he answers our prayers by giving us the character, you know, or the grace to pull through, which is his favorite way to help other people later. And sometimes he answers our prayers in heaven. But the reason that we sometimes don't see what he's up to is because of impurity. Without purity, without holiness, no one sees the Lord. This preaching is about 70% better than your response right now. All right? Impurity is passion about you. Purity is passion about God. I'm just saying that it's not just a value. It's something we have to work on. It's something that we have to cultivate, something we must focus on. Romans 12, verse 9 and 11 says, love must be sincere. It says, hate what is evil. Everybody say, hate what is evil. Then it says, look at the words it used. Cling to what is good. Never. This is a word rarely used in the Bible. You, never, you hardly never see never in the Bible, but here it is. Never. Never be lacking in zeal. Never be lacking in zeal. I'm going to say it again. Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor as you serve the Lord. Keep stirring yourself up. Keep yourself pure. Keep yourself passionate about purity. Because if you get around sin a lot, it begins to desensitize you and it begins to corrupt you. And there's a default towards that if you're not feeding and nourishing the spirit man. I can remember, to, to, to try to put some levity to this, but I can remember uh, my uh, childhood friend. Her name was Liz Mursky, just a wonderful girl. She grew up in a Jewish home 
home. I grew up in a very Jewish neighborhood. I know the Jewish culture pretty well. A lot of practice. I've been in more bat mitzvahs and bat mitzvahs than you could possibly imagine. I could recite the Torah because I was at so many of them. You know, Baruch Atayadonai Elohenu. Anyway. But Liz Mursky, she used to come over to my house and play. And I can remember one time, it was a very funny story. And, and I would normally do this if I was a youth pastor, but because it, it's appropriate there. But I'm who I am, so I'm just going to go ahead and do it anyway. But she went into the bathroom. She came out of the bathroom. She was like five, six years old. She came out of the bathroom. And when she came out of the bathroom on the first floor, she had toilet paper stuffed down the back of her pants. But she hadn't disconnected from everything, the toilet thing. And so she started walking through the, through the living room. Going up the stairs, going up the stairs, going up the flutter stairs, and toilet paper all there behind her. So why am I telling you this? Sin is like that. Let me tell you something. Sin stinks. You sometimes don't smell it, but everybody else can. Sin separates. Sin separates you from God. If we regard iniquity in our heart, the Bible says, the Lord, if we cherish, regard, hold iniquity in our heart, the Lord can't hear us. He can't hear you. Sin stinks, it separates. I will say this, it also stains. It kind of gets on your mind, it tattoos you, it begins to, begins to convince you you're something that you're not. Your identity is what you do and not in who you know. That's wrong, that's what sin does. Sin is something that sometimes trips you up in the beginning. In 1 Timothy chapter 5, it talks about this. But sin is also something that trails behind. 1 Timothy 5.14, it's just toilet paper trailing behind. And you don't know when it's going to trip you up. But sooner or later, you're going to look around and go, oh, my goodness. I've embarrassed myself, haven't I? That's what sin does. We need, to, we need to be focused on clinging to that which is good and hating what is evil. Can I get an amen out there? Amen. All right. Number four, have a passion for people. This is a big one. This is a big part of our church. We're about faith and family, and we're about friends. We're about relationships, connecting to God, godly people in a godly place. We're about small groups. We're about relationships. And it's hard to do this. In fact, you know, it's, it's a pain to be all about people. It is a pain in the rear end to be about people. Can I just tell you that? Listen, my wife and I, all about people. And let me just, let me qualify this. We love people. Okay, we come out right out of it and just say we love our church. And we do. We love our church. But there are some, there's some difficult situations. Sometimes, you know, there's just, there's, just, there's just some stuff. And it's always in the people realm. There's problems with that. And when you, when you make people as a church your priority, then it means you have to be selfless. And that requires, that requires the death of yourself. And it's not... It's not self-denial, because that's still self on the throne. It's denial of self. That's Christ on the throne. And that requires that you be passionate in your relationship with God, because it can't be something out of your own discipline, because those people will poke and prod until that monster comes out. Me, 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 me. And fights back and, and jumps and pounces and does all those. And crouching tiger and goes crazy, cray-cray, as my friend you know, Jordan says, goes cray-cray. That's what happens if it's self-denial and not denial of self. I'm a little fired up this morning, and I have not had a Red Bull. I'm not allowed anymore. I'm not allowed anymore, okay? All right. This is just the real deal. This is, all, this is what you're getting, okay? And so because of that, when you, when you make church about people, I'm just going to talk about church and we can bring it to us, but it means you have to be, you, you, we're going to have to offer more services. It means we're going to have to have more people in the game, not sitting on the sidelines going, that's great, way to go, keep running, is anybody with me? No. <laughs> I need a blocker. You're on your own. But you're doing a great job. It's more fun to play the game than to watch from the sidelines. 
You need to get in the game. And if you will, we can help more people. But if it's just a few people helping a lot of people, those people are going to go down. We're going to lose a lot of games. And so I'm just, a, you know, if, but when you make it all about people and serving people and services and hospitality and raising more money to give more money away and, and all the different things, serving, serving, serving the socks off people. I'm exhausted just saying all this stuff. <laughs> but as we go forward, it will mean giving up maybe your parking space. Maybe your real estate where you always sit every week, you know? <laughs> oh, pastor, you've really, you're really pushing the envelope here this morning. I paid for this seat. <laughs> I got to bring this back to what Jesus says so you guys don't get mad at me, all right? In John chapter 4, verse 34, it says this. Jesus said this. I didn't say this. He said, my food. Everybody say my food. I love when he talks like this. <laughs> my food. He said, my food, said Jesus, is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. The, how did he get nourished? By doing what God's asked him to do. By, by, by living for other people. By making people a priority. Do, do you not say four months more and then the harvest? I tell you, open your eyes and look at the fields. They're ripe for harvest. There is a ton of stuff that God wants to do and it it's wants to happen right now. But you have, to make, you have to make his food your food. Some of us need to change our diet a little bit. Don't get me going on that because I could do a seminar on that right now based on what's going on in my life. But anyway, the fields are white right now. Okay? In other words, redirect your passions. Here's my closing kind of illustration as I, as I get out of this message because I'm way over time and I just saw things blinking at me. You can't see it, but I can see it. I was, years ago, I was on a plane flight, flight to Alabama. My family was already down there and I was going to be speaking at my wife's home church and spend some time with my family. And I remember getting on the plane and I, I don't like to fly. Uh, my, there's a couple, couple of places where I'm generally a patient person. My wife will attest to this. I'm a very patient person. Long leash, go long ways. But in certain things, travel in a car. Dee just seen this traveling with me because he drives me places. And he's like, my, uh, he's like my minstrel. He keeps me calm. I don't like it when I cannot control the circumstances and lose freedom and stuff like that. So I'm on a plane. I'm in a car. You wouldn't like me. Okay? That's the bottom line. So I get on this plane, and I'm by myself, so I'm even less restricted because I'm not with my wife who's kind of like, calm down, and she's not rubbing my head like genie in the lamp to keep me relaxed. And I know, this is pretty sad, but it's true. So I get on this plane, and I'm kind of like, I'm just going to, you know, get in the corner. And I get one of those seats against the window. I hate it. I want to be in the outer lane, spread out. And I'm like, okay, I'm just going to lean. And this guy gets into the middle seat. There's an outside seat available, and he gets in the middle seat, and he bumps my elbow. And I don't say anything, but I'm like, dude, what is up with you? But I don't say anything. I just kind of, you know, close my eyes, pretend I'm asleep. And then the guy's completely undeterred. He doesn't care. And he just basically turns and looks at me and he introduces himself. And, hi, I'm so-and-so. What's your name? I'm like, my name is Jim. <laughs> no. Uh, and then he says, what do you do? I'm like, oh. And, and I want to be honest. This is a place where pastors sometimes have this opportunity to tell the truth. Or to lie. <laughs> what do you think I did? <laughs> I don't want to know what you think. I told the truth. And so with that, he just starts to cuss like a sailor. And this happens a lot of times. And he's like, yeah, let's go for a little shock and awe with the pastor. You know, the Christian guy. Bleep, bleep, bleep. And he's getting all this stuff out there. And he's cussing like a sailor. And, uh, and, I, and, and he's like, hey, you know, he asked me just in a few minutes he, after he's, you know, his, 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 his approach is, not really getting a response. He's like, do you swear? And I said, no, not really. I'm trying to quit, you know. 
And uh, no, just kidding. I didn't say that. Um, but no, I said, I, I try to keep my tongue, you know, as pure as I possibly can. And then um, he's like, so then, so are you, are you one of them Bible thumpers? And I said, well, you know, I, I, you know I've read the Bible a little bit. And um, he proceeds to tell me that he was Jewish and he, and he doesn't believe in the Bible. And I said, that's okay. Jesus was Jewish, but he did. And he's like, really? Wow, touche. You got me on that one. And it, in a whole dis- discussion ensued, and he began to pour out his heart after that. And the fact that I exchanged with him, and he starts telling me about marriage problems, family problems. You know, the beeping noise, beep, beep, beep. He's just letting it all go out. And the entire flight to Charlotte was question after question. This guy was, was a Jew, but ironically had tons of questions about his faith, and he didn't know a lot about it and his beliefs, and, and especially affected by some of his recent trials. And I was not expecting much of, from this experience because of my upbringing. And, but this guy just kept it up, and he just kept it up. And by the end of the flight, he asked for my email. And I was kind of, okay, wow, you know? And we parted amiably. And later at the entry to the, to the baggage claim, we kind of parted, but you know, we, 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 I see him in the distance from the baggage claim, but he approached me again. And uh, he said, you know what, I, want, I just want you to know I really appreciate um, you know, the time that you gave me and what we were talking about, and you got me thinking about a lot of different stuff. And I was wondering if you could pray for me. And this is honest truth. I said, sure, I can pray for you. And I just started to walk away. I just said, yeah, I'll, I'll pray for you, man. Yeah, I got gotcha. you. I'm, I'm dead serious. I didn't think he wanted me to pray for him right there, and I was just still being a doofus. And he actually grabbed me by the hand and wrist, and he goes, can you, no, can you pray for me right now? And I, and I don't, finally, finally, final. In that final moment, I realized, wow, this is an opportunity, and I prayed with him to receive Christ, and he received Christ right there at the baggage claim area. Right there. It was awesome. It was awesome. And, and that day in Charlotte, North Carolina, I'll never forget it, that I realized that life wasn't about me. Life was, imagine, life was not about me. It's all about people. Everybody say, it's all about people. Stand to your feet. Let me pray for you. For crying out loud, pastor's gone on way too long. This is what happens when I go away. I got way too much to say. Can you guys close your eyes and just bow your head for a minute? Let's... What's the Holy Spirit saying to you through this message today? You. You. Not somebody else. Not your spouse. Not your kids. Oh, my kid really needed to hear this. My, my husband really needed to hear this. No. No, 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 no. Please, every head bowed, every eye closed, please. Just for the, there's somebody that needs that. You may not, but they do. What is he saying to you? Where, 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 where's your passion volume today? Where is it? Does it need to be Refreshed? Rebooted, restarted? Where are you at in worship? Where are you at in prayer? Where are you at in purity? Where are you at in people? Is your food all about people? To do the will of the one who sent him? That's what he wants to know today. I'm going to pray for you in just a minute, but if somebody's here today and they've never made that connection to Christ, and when you hear this, you're like, I need that. I need to make that connection to Christ. I need... I need, to, I need to come in a relationship with him. And we would just say, don't join a church. Don't get into a kind of a crew of people, a club or something like that without joining Jesus. He could be knocking on your heart, the door of your heart right now. And if, and if you're feeling something, probably, that's probably him. That's probably him. And he wants you to use your free will agency. Your, your, you, you choose him of your own volition right now and say, yes, Lord, I want you to come into my heart. If you've never done that today, or before, and you want to do it today, just raise your hand right where you are, good and high, between me, you, and God. Say, that's me. I need to know that for sure. Good and high. 
The devil's bold. He'll try to take your life. He'll try to steal eternity from God. Bless you, sisters. Anybody else? That's me. Don't want to miss that. Did I miss anybody? God bless you. God bless you. Anybody else? Thank you, Jesus. Church, would you just pray this with me? And young lady, just, just this prayer won't save you. Just believe it in your heart will, but just say it like you mean it. Say, Jesus, save me. I come to you of my own free will, saying I can't lead my life by myself. I want you to lead me now. Be my Savior and be my Lord. Father, in Jesus' name, I pray that you seal that prayer in that girl's heart. I pray that she never be the same after this. Lord, for every person that's here today that needed to point their passion towards God, it's been misdirected. I pray in Jesus' name for a course correction to take place right now in people's hearts. Men, women, boys and girls, by your spirit, not by might, but by your spirit, do it right now. Receive it right now. By faith, wherever you are, just receive that. God is, he's, he is cleaning your heart right now. He is renewing your mind right now. He is getting, he's purifying and cleansing you. If you see impurity that's in the way, just go and confess it right where you are. The Bible tells us to do that in Psalm 32, verses 3 through 5. Just confess your faults. Because the, if you don't, it's like the heat of summer. It saps your strength. God wants your strength to be restored again for things that he's called you to do. If you just get right with him, impurity about people. Make people you have served your spouse, serve your family, serve your church, serve your world. That's your food. It will nourish you. Worship God. When you come to church, when you get up in the morning, worship him with all you got. Pray. Seek his face. Spend time with him. Be alone with him. God is encouraging you to be passionate for him again. In Jesus' name. Everybody said, come on, let's give the Lord the best clap we can. Come on, guys.